My friend, your role as a father is critical. You are so important. Three nuggets that hit me from my conversation with Michael today are one, are you looking for life transformation? Two, have you given up on your dreams? And three, do you feel like you and your family are just fitting in? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes Podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 11 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Michael Fisk, and I learned so much during this conversation. Enjoy meeting my friend, Michael. Check it out, my friends. I'm already smiling ear to ear. I'm pumped to meet a new friend, Michael Fisk. How are you today? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. Right on. I'm good. Thanks, Ned. Yeah, dude. Good to connect with you. Okay, so first off, shout out to Greg Gunn. I had him on the podcast recently, and he's the one who had connected us about six months ago. Just such an incredible human. Do you have any kind of connection to Greg or any story of Greg from time with him? Oh man, (laughs) we could spend this entire episode talking about Greg. Yeah, super thankful for him and where he's been in my life. I actually heard about Greg. I'll give you a quick story. So I think it was probably like 2016, 2017. My sister who lived a few hours from me, she was starting a business in this juice bar and they were in the process of getting ready to open and stuff. And she had said, I was on the phone with her. She said, hey, this guy's been walking around. He's here visiting family friends of her husband. And he's been walking on our property with his daughters, praying over property for the last hour and praying for the new business starting and stuff. And he just flew in from Oklahoma. I'm like, this guy flew in from Oklahoma to come pray for your business and you barely know the guy? Who is this guy? It just got my yeah. attention. And yeah. fast forward six months later, she tells me, hey, that guy I mentioned to you, he does family values and stuff. He does these workshops for families and he's going to be in town. If you want to come, he'll be here in a couple of weeks. I was like, this guy's already got my attention once. I better go see what this guy's about. And didn't know anything about Greg, didn't know anything about family ID at the time. We bought our tickets and drove a few hours on the road a couple of weeks later, went into his workshop, great experience, great resources, great tools. He's a great teacher, great communicator. And we took that stuff that he had taught at that workshop. And over the next couple of months, we had crafted really what our family mission, vision and values, which at that point I was going through a season of I've been in business and entrepreneurship. I've been a business owner for years now. I spend every day leading my team and hiring and firing on vision and values. And it hit me around that season of, gosh, I do all this work with my team for my employees and business partners, but I don't do any of this work at home with my wife and my girls. Yeah. And I was really starting to feel convicted about that. And then that whole Greg thing popped up. And my wife and I went to that. Again, we spent a couple months crafting what that looks like for our family with his tools he'd given us. And we had ended up building, it was like a six foot by three foot big art piece that was basically all wood. I built it all from scratch and it had our mission, vision, values on it. And we hung it in our living room and the picture ended up on social media. And it was probably a few months later, I get a random call. I'm in my office. Um, I'm like, who's this number from Oklahoma? I answer the call and he's, this is this Michael Fisk? I'm like, yeah, this is him. He's, this is Greg Gunn. And I was like, Greg Gunn? Like, how'd you get 
get my number. Why are you calling yeah, yeah. me? I know who you are, but you definitely don't know who I am. And he was like, man, I had seen your photo of your family values that was online. And I'd heard the story, how this created. And he came to my, one of my workshops. And we ended up talking for probably a couple hours that day. And he spoke so much life into me. I think we've talked almost every month since then. This was back in like 2017. And every time he would call, if I wasn't able to answer it, he would leave me a five minute voicemail just praying for my wife wow. and myself as a leader and for wow. my business and my girls. And I was like, man, who does that? And then we can talk about this too. But in 2021, we had decided to travel on the US for about a year. And I was like, one of the things that was on our list, we've got to stop in Oklahoma. I got to meet this guy, Greg. I talked to him all the time, but we've never actually met in person. Wow. So we went and spent a whole day with his family, his wife and some of his kids. And we left. My wife and I were just crying. We were like, who is this family? Like they are so influential and so impactful mm. and so encouraging. Man, they have been just nothing but positive. So super thankful for Greg. And then he had mentioned probably about six months ago, he asked if I knew you. And I was like, oh, I don't know him. He goes, oh, you guys have to connect. So that's, I think, why I'm here. That's how we connected. So, Dude. So I actually have a picture of me at an event on my wall right here with Greg in it. And so dudes who are listening, don't tune out for this, what I'm about to tell you, because it's easy to go, oh, it just sounds like Ned and Michael are rapping about some guy they know that we don't know. Greg's probably somewhere late 50s, early 60s, something like that. Point is, I'm 40. How old are you? I'm 38. Okay, men, you have to have these type of sages in your life. Like you have to think that you don't need men who've lived, who've been married 30 years or 40 years in your life. You're tripping because they have so much to give us. And as I hear, I'm like, dude, I'm not leaving anybody a five minute message, but that's because I got an 11 year old to a 17 year old at home. <laughs> like you're lucky to get me to text you back within three days. And mm. that's what I don't want dudes to miss is one, you need that sage in your life. And then two, the idea that one day you and I will have a bit bigger capacity to become that. But dude, on my podcast that I had Greg on, so go find this if you haven't listened to it, guys. Let's just say he's around 60. Dude's talking all about how his sex game's leveling up and he's like never stopping the growth. And I love hearing that because I think once you're like at that late 30s, early 40s, you have been seeking this arrival point and you hit this point of, I guess I just will never know everything. There is no arrival. It's all becoming. So it's like freeing in a sense. But to see a dude at 60 still pursuing growth and totally humble, and just such a rad dude. I love that. Yeah, every time I talk to him, I just talked to him a few weeks ago and right when he answers the phone, I called him to ask a question about something and he's, Michael, I have to tell you about this major revelation. And I got the phone call. I'm like, it's been another hour mm. talking to Greg and it's big things. It's not small. You leave a conversation from a guy like that and you go, man, I've got to yeah. think yeah. bigger. I've got to grow. I've got to do more because it just really expands and challenges you to think bigger and grow, which is amazing. Okay, so I'm going to go to the beginning of my questions. And so you already said you're 38. But here's my first question for you. How old do you find yourself today? I always tell people I feel like 26, but I'm actually in late 30s now. <laughs> what makes you feel 26? I'm like a full grown man. <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I love that. I, Dude, if that, if that yes, makes sense, it makes 100%. I like I would tell you, my wife and I just went to a marriage retreat, call it with 12 couples through Rise Up Kings, a Christian organization. Yeah. And we both left there. I'm telling you, this is in November. We both left there saying we feel like adults now. I feel like a man and she's, mm. I feel like a woman leaving here. We're no longer kids. So mm. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think that's partly hitting this age and also growth, which we're going to get into. How many years you've been married? 18 years. I got married young. My wife, 23. Actually, when we first got introduced at the same church, as near the church, been at her whole life. And someone introduced us after service one Sunday. And she asked me, she goes, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. She threw her hands up and walked. And I was like, what? Who does that? <laughs> I was like, and it was six months later, she had a ring on her finger. Six months we were married. So got married young and really fast. So my wife, I met her on Mother's Day. I was playing drums at church and she walked in. I was 18. She was 19 at the time because she was in college. 
college. I was like a senior in high school. And anyways, we got married when I was 21. So it was a couple years later, but met at church, met young. Good for you, dude. How many kiddos do you have? We've had four girls. Our first daughter, she passed away, unknown mm. reason. They call it SIDS, 28 days old, okay. poet. And then we've got Presley, our oldest now. She's 12. We're getting ready to enter a teenage phase, which that's actually why I had called Greg a few weeks ago. I had some questions I wanted to bounce off him about new season. Our 12-year-old's really looking forward to turning 13 and being a teenager, which we should chat about that sometime too, because I know you got some kids that are older than mine. So Yeah, my oldest daughter is 17. And it's funny, we just did a podcast, her and I together, of talking about how to maintain and build a relationship because her and I are super close. And we've had ups and downs, but teenagers and parents, it's like we've had conflict, which is good. But anyways, let's wrap about it. So three girls, oldest is 12, about yep, to and go then got 13. a 10-year-old, Pressy's our oldest, which you have a daughter named Pressy as well, right? I think, yeah. She's cool, 14. Cool. So right now we are just moved here actually from Washington State, well, my wife and I, and we moved to East Tennessee, side of like Johnson City, Bristol area in Northeast Tennessee. Yep. Love it. Okay. And then what do you do for a living to provide for the family and or provide value yeah, in for the sure. world? So we spent an entire episode talking about this. A holding company called Blender has six different businesses underneath it that are completely all different from each other. Everything from online tools, like if you need a way to check.com, you can get a way to check. We do manufacturing and development of photo booth equipment and software. And then we've got our latest product called HostShare. We're creating essentially a platform, a network for Airbnb hosts, where they can share unbooked nights. And in return, they can stay anywhere within the network of other hosts on that platform. Dude, I checked out the website. It's sick. Yeah, it's dope. Great idea. We have an Airbnb. Yeah, We're yeah. here in Hawaii, right? So our Airbnb is pretty yeah. packed all the time. It's a spot where friends and family come. But to be able to to open it up to have trades or whatever, pretty sick. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We're actually, we've been in beta for the past couple months and then our full travel stuff comes out here in the next few weeks, which is going to be epic. We've got a lot of over a thousand homes on there right now. Our customers are really excited to eager to start traveling. So we've been testing it out. It's amazing how these unbooked places, half the homes out there sit on vacant half the night. Like That's my crazy. sister just stayed at a place through this platform as we've been testing it out. It was $900 a night. She stayed there for three nights for $400 total in cleaning fees. Amazing cabin out in the woods. Just incredible opportunity. So pretty excited about it. That's epic. Yeah. So what's that website so people can check it? Yeah. Hostshare.co. Hostshare.co. Love it, man. Cool. All right. Check this out. When did you first embrace fatherhood? You've been married 18 years. You were about five years into the marriage and it's either we're going to have kids or surprise, you're going to be a dad to the moment that Presley was born to when she starts interacting with you, right? There's kind of these different stages where I find that dads stumble into this role. And so for you, when did this feeling of this matters really become a part of you? Let's see. It was about 2011, 2012 when we were starting to have the kids. Okay, we're doing the kid thing now. We waited about five years. And it wasn't until that season 2017 where I had that transformation, investing all this into my career. But I'm not doing the same thing with my family. And that was when the kids were starting to get a little bit older now. And that was probably the season where I was really took this serious. It wasn't just, oh, I'm just checking this off my list because that's what everyone's supposed to do. I actually really want to be intentional, embrace this and make this a priority. Before that point, I thought about, I just react to life. Then I had a really shift of mindset set around time six, seven years ago, where I was like, I wanted to start thinking more multi-generational. And what does this family look like in 500 years versus what does the family look like this week? That's been a game changer for just the decisions we've made now in our family. And that was probably about six, seven years ago. So I would call that to answer your question. I would say that was probably when I really embraced fatherhood. 
Let me ask you this, if you're willing to answer the question, because you have this season of we're about to have our first child. It's all fresh. Mm -hmm. It's all brand new. How did you protect your heart from not becoming hard? And how did you support your wife? It's 28 days in and tragedy happens. Oh, man, that was a highlight in a weird way. My wife and I's marriage, like it was do or die. I remember there was a lot of details and that all happened. Uh, I'm talking about that day. In that season, my wife went four days and didn't say a word, was just in a shell. Mm -hmm. And that hit me. It was like, okay, this is the hardest thing that I've had to deal with, but I have to lead my wife through this. I have to take her and pull her up because that'll wreck anybody, especially I think the wife and how they're wired. Usually that season glued us. I remember those first few weeks we were hearing stats, people saying 80% of people that lose kids like this, they don't make it. And those were things that I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not part of those stats. And that was a decision that I was like, that's not me. That's not us. And I can't remember exactly the time frame, but our service for our, our daughter poet and my wife was led an entire worship set for about 500 people. Whoa. We have an entire collection of handwritten notes, emails, messages, mm -hmm. people saying because of the way what we had to deal with our daughter, they have now decided to turn back and, and follow God for the first time. Like so many testimonials just by leading through that season, head up and, and really trusting on God. If there are one or two things that you felt, and I know no dude wants to like, yeah. obviously it was God, right? God worked in you guys and whatever, but practical, how can I show up? What are one or two things you felt like you did right during that time to give her the space in the four days, know when to pop in, be there? What did that look like if you were to coach a guy in that? I definitely stayed close to her, wanted yeah. to go in my own cave as well and just disappear. Mm. I don't know how to deal with this. Maybe, yeah. maybe there is, but I don't think there's a book written on how to deal with that kind of thing with exactly what we went through. Stayed really close to her, I think would be one thing. And then two, also reached out for a lot of help. We had several meetings with people that had also gone through very similar things that we needed help. Yeah. We'd spend a night at their house for dinner, talk to them. How did they deal with it? Talking to other people that had gone through the same thing was really helpful. Bringing in a counselor one day who had dealt with this kind of stuff. And it ended up, we met with her for a while and just the season of going through counseling too, of just how should we deal with our emotions and move forward? And there's a lot of negative things that can come out of that, but I think there's a lot of positive things too, if it's handled right. And so I'd say that definitely wouldn't wish upon anybody. Dude, thank you for sharing that. Okay. Switch this up a little bit. And then I'm going to go into what's one of your favorite things to do with your girls, like as a father to connect with them, what's something that you guys just like time stops and you just enjoying life together? I'd say two things come to mind right away. One, we do pretty consistently. My wife and I switch every other month. So she'll do a month and I'll do a month and just take them out one-on-one -on -one dates. I have a month and each girl gets a one-on-one -on -one date with me. They love that. And it's such a simple thing actually, but yeah. I don't think very many people do it. And I actually think it has way more impact than just a two-hour date. Whether you take them out to dinner and get ice cream, take them shopping. Love it when dad takes them shopping. Every time it's my month to do that, every other month, they are like, when's my night? When's my night? And it's so easy to have the intention to do that kind of stuff. We celebrate results. I think you've got to do that. Like some people have these ideas so I can check out the box, but you really just got to do it. And a lot of this stuff is simple to us, but it's a huge impact on our kids. So that'd be the first thing. Dude. Yeah. So second good. thing, my girls love Fortnite and I will jump on and play Fortnite with them. And they <laughs> just, they think that's fun. awesome. So I'll carry them to the win. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I think to come alongside and do things yeah. with your kids that they like, then if you can enjoy that, because at the end of the day, it's so funny, like, why do I surf or skate or play golf or whatever? The thing is, you're finding some sort of activity that really is pretty meaningless, unless it connects you with another human being. And I guess I also understand disconnecting you from work at some level, although work can be fantastic if yeah. you're doing something you like, but to find something that you're spending time with the people you love, right? It doesn't matter if it's Fortnite yeah. or whatever. 
Okay, so you've mentioned this word a couple times, and I want to dig into this because I think our lives align a lot in this area. But this word transformation and this kind of like wild shift from status quo. So take us down this path of what this looked like for for your family. So I mentioned back in about 2017, we had spent some time just like crafting my wife and I like what's really important to us, not just to go through the motions with this, but to actually create a filter. It's like, how do we make decisions in life as a family? We spent some time crafting what's our vision, what's our values. And what we ended up crafting after that was the Fisk family is a family that doesn't settle with the status quo. That's like our Mm. thing. It's that make a lot of decisions. Is this just a worldly way, just the way that the world does it? Is this a normal? And not that it's bad, but it can be bad depending on the situation. Fathers, quick interruption here. Do you struggle with the sense that you are not stepping into the fullness of your role as a father? Do you regularly wrestle with feeling inadequate as a father? I would love to connect and encourage you over a one-on-one Zoom call. You can grab a time with me at www.rebelandcreate.com forward slash connect. Take a few minutes to talk life, fatherhood, and I will share several resources that will support you on your adventure of fatherhood. Now back to the conversation. Sounds very rebel and create-ish. So there's the question, right? We're just going to dig into the transformation is going with rebel and create. So 2017, you come up with this. What are we about? What matters to us? Yeah. That was really a turning point and didn't change a lot, I guess, at that point, as far as like our life, I was building my businesses, my business partner, my wife and I having kids, kids were getting older, probably it was 2021. I felt like it was a God moment, like our life's about to change big. And honestly, we'd been a part of a group, about 20 people that had planted a church 10 years prior to this, well over a thousand people, really successful church. We're going really well. Honestly, no issues really. (laughs) And here I am going, oh man, life's about Mm -hmm. to change big time. And I remember I sat my wife down and I said, hey, I think God's telling me we're supposed to move somewhere else. We're supposed to go somewhere. I don't know what that looks like. I have a pretty strong conviction right now. We're supposed to leave. And that was a crazy moment. She like broke down crying. Like what? But it was several months after that, we are supposed to leave. And we ended up selling in 2021. We sold everything we had for the most part. And we ended up buying a huge RV, bought a big truck, traveled for about a year all over the country, 30 some states. It was an interesting season because we were partially on vacation because we were like, oh, this is amazing. We're always going somewhere new, discovering places, checking out all the cool things in the U.S to see. The other half of us was like, we don't have a home to go to when this is over and we don't know where we're supposed to go. So we were consistently praying as a family, God, you were clear to us that we're supposed to be leaving and going somewhere, but you haven't told us where we're going. And so it was a very outside the box, not normal situation, a tendency to be like full of what's going on. What a growth that year was for us to trust in God, to be like, he's got us. And I can say that now confidently because of all the things that's happened since then, where we're at now, like I said, we were in Washington state. We traveled for a good year year and then ended up about 33 states. Yeah. And mainly just like at campgrounds, a lot of RV parks, a lot of private stuff. We would even did a uh, hip camp quite a bit where we would go stay like on people's property. But we spent like six weeks in Florida and half that time we were just staying in people's lots like right on the beach. It was amazing on the white sand beach. That's it epic. was really cool. And looking back now, God had us for that whole season. We were partially on vacation discovering too what it's got to have for us. And everything just kept, and here we are now in East Tennessee. Love it. A list of things that were like, this is the things that we are looking for. One of them was certain set of values of the, the community that we're 
Morgan New Moon into things like yeah. that. But one of them was like, it's got to be the right church too. I value church big time, both my wife and I. And it's like, we're not mm. going to go somewhere and just spending four or five months in this area, visiting a different church every week in the area we're at now. And I remember calling a guy I'd met in this area when we'd first got to this spot and like everything had lined up here except for the church. And man, mm. everything lines up here. This is where we feel like we're supposed to be. But I have been visiting church after church and I didn't move my family across the country to just go to just any other church. We're looking for a church that's yeah. speaking the truth or God's moving their worship. And he goes, hey, check out this church. I heard about this. And so long story short, he sends us these videos, these music videos of this church. We were like, oh, this is actually right down the road from us. We go check this church out. At, right at, we we're at the wits end of being like to keep moving. And we walked in this church and it ended up being like a five hour service, like every single person. And it was like people just standing in the back and stuff. Every single person got ended up getting prayed for that day. And our kids end up coming out from the kids area. They end up getting prayed for. Our kids are dancing on the stage, worship and stuff. And we were like, what is going on? And then we left and our kids were like, we cannot wait to go back to that. We had been to dozens and dozens wow. of churches across the country. And it was like, oh my gosh. And now the people we've been able to meet at this church, the relationships, we bought 35 acres here. We're building out a whole resort area. And it's like two years ago, I couldn't have imagined this. And we were just faithful to what we felt like God was calling us to. So let's do it. Even though the world says that's crazy. Why would you do that? We look back now and my kids included, we're like, man, could you imagine if we would just stay? Like we didn't go to where God was calling us. It's been a very amazing last couple of years. It's epic story. When did you first move to Tennessee? Like, when did you first go start that process? Yes, we actually traveled the whole country, came to Tennessee, went to like Chattanooga, Nashville, spent several weeks in the area, and then ended up doing a whole loop all the way back to the Northwest of summer of 2020. We were traveling for a year and someone reached out to me and we were like, maybe we weren't supposed to go. Nothing was clear. Maybe we weren't supposed to go. And so when we were in Nashville, before we got back, just a few weeks before, Tennessee was our last stop, I guess, on the map for the most part. We were in Nashville at a park one day. We took the girls to this park and they're playing on some toys and stuff. And my wife and I are sitting on a bench talking. And I was like, you know what? It's just a normal day. And I was like, I'm going to walk over to this building across the park. They probably got bathrooms over there. I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm walking across the park. And all of a sudden, I just felt like this. I can't even articulate it, but it was like another God moment. Like God just reminded me of Noah in that moment. And I've known mm -hmm. about the story of Noah my whole life. I've read it a hundred times, but I've never had the respect and clarity on it like I did that day. I'll never forget this moment in the park. And I realized like, I feel like I'm carrying this weight of I'm supposed to be doing something that God's calling me to. My wife is a slightly kicking and screaming, but she's on board to her husband. My kids, they don't really understand. They're like, oh, we're along for the ride, but it's kind of weird. My dad just took us from our friends and stuff. The only thing we knew, which our, our kids are homeschooled, but we we're yeah. very involved in the church. Yeah. And I went, oh my gosh, I've just read the story of Noah and went this epic vision that God gave him and built this giant boat and saved humanity, where really it's like, we don't see all the details of knowing like how many times did Noah over the 120 years, how many times did he have a, sit down with his wife and recast vision for her of like, no, God was clear to me. Like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And his kids and consistently remind them not to lose track of the path that they're supposed to be on. Everyone else in the world that he tried to bring along said, no, no, no you're crazy. And I felt, oh yeah. my gosh, I get it now. A small glimpse of it, but I get a little bit like what he probably went through. I don't think it was all roses. So anyways, I have that revelation that day. We end up back in the Northwest and I don't know, maybe we weren't supposed to go. And someone sends me a message on Facebook and they're like, hey, I saw you like looking for a spot to land with your family and stuff. I'm just looking at your life and stuff. We had YouTube videos and stuff going out and we were basically nice. documenting the stuff and really check out this place called the Tri-Cities in Tennessee. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. We spent time in Tennessee. So I look it up and I told my wife, I was like, this sounds crazy, but I think we're supposed to go back to Tennessee. She's like, what? We just came from there. We're not driving all the way back. That's a long trek with a big RV. So we ended up packing everything up and booked back and landed in that Tri-Cities area, which is where we're at now. And the rest is history. Like the people here, the values, they line up. We homeschool our kids 
24% of all the homeschool kids in Tennessee live in our community. So there's just so much stuff for my wife wow. and the kids and the church. It's just been amazing. That's epic. Wild, man. It's, it's funny because just I said at the beginning that our stories align. We moved to Hawaii from California on this big mm. faith move in June of 2021. Ah. We first came in March of 2020 and we spent the first two months of COVID on Oahu. But it was just this big adventure of we came back from that and we sold everything. We sold our houses. We <laughs> sold everything, left all our friends. Yeah. And we moved here. It was 14 months to settle in. But now we're settled in and our kids wow. call it home and it's epic. So definitely resonate with it. I have a story of my wife coming in saying to me in my office one day, because we were going to move to Utah. So that's like we landed on Utah. We spent spring break of April 2021 in Utah. And we're like, this is where we're moving. This is the street. Yeah. This is where our kids going to school, like the whole deal. We got back from Utah. And that next morning, it was Monday, my wife comes home from taking the kids to school. And she's like, don't laugh at me. But I started bawling in the car on the way to drop the kids off. I saw Brody running on the beach. Beach. Like she had this vision mm. of him on the beach. And so I'm like, all right, let's go check out Hawaii, you and me. But we can't tell the kids because they think we're moving to Hawaii. So I think seven days later, her and I are in Hawaii staying with one of my team members who live here. And I'm like, screw this place. I don't want to live here. It sucks. We're driving around. And here's the deal. We're driving through this neighborhood about 10 minutes from where we live. And I'm like, this place sucks. I don't want to live here. And then I said out loud to Sarah, yo, I'm making this about me. God, mm. if you want us to live here, I'm yeah. here. I'll do it. And boom, it hit me. It's like, this is where so move. And it was dope. And then God's so wild, bro. So this is not yeah, about no. me, but just to connect with you for 30 more seconds. So we're staying in a condo with my team member, Hannah and her family sleeping on her couch bed. We come back from our drive. We're like, yo, we're going to live here. And I don't know, sometime that day, she's like the neighbor two doors down has to move to Florida. They'll sell you their condo. So I straight <laughs> bought this condo from this lady. I never went in the condo. I never met her face to face. We mm. did the purchase agreement, everything via text no real estate agent. I buy this condo. We go home. We tell the kids. The condo wasn't that day, but I bought it yeah. over the course of 30 days. We sold our stuff. And then June. So you're talking April something to June 1st. We're there. And it's like it all lined up. My kid's never been here to the big island. We fly in. We have the keys to this condo. We walk in and it was fully furnished. They had six boys living in it. So since that's Airbnb now, we since bought a house. But anyways, man, it's just like the adventure. And so I want to lean into that for you is men listening to this, right? It's so easy to get caught up in the status yeah. quo, the normal. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what everybody does. Take me through that. If a dude's thinking that right now, like there is something burning in me, there is this adventure that's there, but I'm not stepping into that. What are your thoughts on how they can just freaking enter into that? Talking through the story again, I just remembered something too that's really crucial, or I think it's a really good piece too. We always hear like write down things, goals and stuff that more likely to happen and things like that. Dude, when we were moving and we were selling everything off, we were just putting stuff in boxes and doing yard sales and stuff. This is in 2021. I found a journal from 2016 and I had a long list on one page of all these things I wanted to do in life. And I'm, I'm sitting there reading it. I'm in the living room and I'm reading through this thing. And all of a sudden I just start bawling. I get to the last thing. I take it to my wife and I go, Rebecca, read this list. And she reads it. She starts crying and she's like, we've accomplished everything on this list except for the last thing to go somewhere buy enough property that we could have a multi-generational place where we could give our kids land and they could build houses if they want to stay in the area and i'm like that's literally part of the reason why we're going then that was on our list of things we want to do and i had forgotten that i even written that down but i think there's something important about writing this stuff down that's in our heart visions that god gives us because we forget we're consumers of lots of things and we forget what we actually desire we forget what god tells us then writing it down it helps us i'm a huge fan 
kind of writing things down. I've always got a journal just to go back and look at that stuff and be like, oh, this is reminding me of what is important. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause I think what I try to lean into is dude, I, I want to sit down, Ned. I want to like get deep and pray with you and connect. And then I also want to go have a glass of whiskey and watch Step Brothers and Amen. then quote it. So like <laughs> I'm on these both sides. And when we lean into this could be such an earthy podcast and it's like, dude, just name it and claim it on the faith side or just speak everything mm. into existence. I don't know what you'd call that, but like the yeah, universe yeah. is God kind of thing. Okay. So I'll share a story. And then I want guys to unlock this a bit who are like just us normal Joes who love God and also love Whiskey and Step Brothers. So I'm a big journaler. I found a journal when I was in college, our professor made us write a hundred goals down and I'm like 19, right? So you're like, buy a house before I'm 25. And I found the journal, I don't know, within the last three years and like 70% of those wow. goals had been met. It was wild. I'm like, check, check, check. It's wild. And so it's funny because it's not like I want to write down on a piece of paper right now. So this would be the status quo yeah. in my opinion. And then I want your opinion. I'm going to get a Ferrari by 2025, right? Is that really in your heart or is that I need to make something, yep. right? When you are fully present and all the noise is set aside, that's why I like to go on a day or two retreat by myself a year to create that space. What is inside of you? And then get it out, write it down. Because yeah, when you're at work on Monday, you're going to forget that. So you need to look back. But I love how you said, don't forget the dream the vision that mm. God's put inside of you, pursue those things. It's not the name it and claim it. It's not to speak things into existence, but there's something there to ignite and pursue the vision and dreams that are inside of you. What are your thoughts more about what I'm saying? If we just fit in with the rhythm of the world, we're going to miss out on opportunities to even have the visions and dreams. We have to be intentional with two things that stand out to me. Be intentional with getting ourselves around the right people. We talked about Greg, big visionary. Every time I talk to him, it expands my vision, my thinking, and people like that really helps me a ton. And two, I love hunting. When I go out in the woods for whether, even if it's a day, so I'm a big hunter and man, you know, the hunt is one thing, the kill, that whole thing, but man, there might be more value in it for me just to get out of the the whirlwind of the day to day so I can free my mind and let God talk to me and my mind work bigger. Think about what's actually important because the day to day is not important. The thing is the status quo and the normal keeps us yep. so busy. Like literally everybody's so busy and we're busy with great stuff, man. We have great stuff all the time, which is good. But as the leaders of our homes, as the captain of the ship, I like to call it, we must peel ourselves away from the crew, from the day to day, look at the compass, look at the map, look at where we came from and assess, are we headed in a direction that feels right and what we want? And if no, then let's tweak the stuff, start moving the direction direction, cast some vision to our family, even when they're kicking and screaming. But we got to do that every six yeah. months or something, right? Find a rhythm. It's fine to be busy. It's fine to have all the sports and this and watch your Netflix show and Yellowstone's epic and all this stuff. It's all great. But if that's all you're doing, you're missing out on your call. The priority is setting goals and hitting goals. I've been on the past year, I've been really big rhythms over goals. And so living life seven days at a time. And it's not that I can't plan out in the future, but it's like having a seven day rhythm, the Sabbath, whatever you want. We basically from Friday dinner, we take about a 24 hour period. We started this about a year ago and we don't make yeah. any plans for those 24 hours. And it is like a reset. Family looks forward to it every week. It's like we get a break and let our mind think. We get to relax and re-energize to start the next week. And so that has helped me to be able to freeing the mind, to be able yeah. to think bigger yeah. and have those visions and stuff. And man, if you are just swimming and keeping your head above water, you will never have big enough vision for your family. It's just not possible. 
So it's so cool to see where God challenges people, right? And I really want dudes to hear this because I'm going to share an area where I've been challenged, but I don't want dudes to go, I got to do what Mike's doing or I got to do what Ned's doing. Nope, you're missing it again. You're jumping in <laughs> status quo, jump into what works for you. What's God working on with you? But I remember, it's so funny. I remember a very specific moment where I felt God calling me in to honor the Sabbath. And he challenged me like three or four weeks in and there was this big like roadblock and something I was working on. So I get on the phone on Sunday yeah. and it's nothing wrong. Yeah, like yeah. handle stuff on Sunday, yeah, yeah. right? I'm not being legalistic. Yeah. This was for me in this moment. And the people put me on hold. And I have this little voice in my head going, hey, you're trying to control this. You're trying to solve this. That's not what today is. Dude, be free. Chill out. You're not a slave. So I'm on hold, like having this wrestle, right? It felt like a two minute hold. It was probably like 15 seconds. And so then I just hung up. I said, okay, I'll deal with this tomorrow. And then I wake up to like an email of everything was solved, right? It was all handled. Yeah. I didn't need to do anything. It was epic. So think about this for a second. I want to hear more about your seven day rhythm. The challenge, my habit that I'm working on Q1 of this year is sleeping mm. for seven hours because I feel like I've been the guy who's, oh, it's 3.45 or it's 4 a.m. I'm such an animal to get up. And I'm realizing that feels a little bit more ego in me and like people going, oh, that's crazy. You got up that earlier. That's crazy. You had a meeting that early. And I'm like, wait a second. Am I just trusting in my own ability to put in a massive yeah. amount of work or am I trusting God that he's in this with me? So it's been a challenge, dude. Last night, I'll be honest, I got six and a half, but over the course of 25 days, I pretty much hit it almost every nice. day. And so that's an area for me where I'm being challenged to have a rest. My friends, sorry for this quick interruption. However, somewhat sadly, I get more questions from dudes about fitness than I do about fatherhood. But what I found is that the fathers who start taking care of their fitness and nutrition end up finding fatherhood, marriage, work, and all other aspects of life come into a deeper clarity of purpose, enjoyment, and fulfillment. Now, I've partnered with Rise Up Kings to launch Ruck Fitness, a transformative program that is less focused on a six-pack in 90 days and more focused on you creating the habits, mindset, and lifestyle that will allow you to be a healthy asset to your family for decades. Come join me in a transformative journey to become the man you want to see in the mirror. Go check it out www.rebellandcreate.com forward slash fitness. Now back to the show. So for you in this seven day rhythm, what are a couple other things that you're finding are helpful in this rhythm for you? So like I said, so we do like a big meal on Fridays. Uh, the kids look forward to that. But you have people over for that? Like if it just happens to happen? Right now, we're in the process of building our house and our property. So we're still living in our RV. So we don't have the Got great it. space. During okay. the summer, that's what we did. We'd have people over outside. It's nice. Oh, cool. We just had zero degree weather here last week in Tennessee. It was crazy. And then it was 70 again yesterday. I was like, wow, okay. It just depends. Our situation right now for that, but we can't wait. As we've been building out our house plans, it's like, how do we make the table bigger? That way we can have more people mm. involved. And then you use the word legalist. I love that because that is exact opposite of what we're trying to do. And if there's something big that comes up that we want to do that Friday or Saturday or whatever, it's like, we're going to do it. And sometimes we'll go out and we're not just sitting around not doing anything. We'll go out and hang out with friends or whatever, but we're trying not to yeah. work. A lot of times Saturdays get stuff done at the house and things like that. It's like, we're trying to stay out of that status quo, that just that rhythm of just work. It's been really good for us. I've loved it. It's been one of my favorite things in the past year we've implemented for sure. 
Yeah, I feel like it doesn't matter when people do it, right? So people hear this, it doesn't matter when, but carving out that space and your kids sometimes will kick and complain about it. Like, hey, we're having a family day tomorrow. If I went and told my kids right now, good news, we're having a family day tomorrow, they'd all probably be pissed because they have some sort of thing. But I'll tell you what, if I lock all their phones in the glove box and we go by noon, they're connecting and together and whatever. And then I'm sure there'll be fights and stuff throughout that time, but it's still creating like the messy, beautiful, dude, okay, I got to share this with you because your story kind of reminds me of a morning thing with our kids every morning. We have like three homeschool, two different schools for different reasons. And I've been reading The Shack to my kids. Have you picked up that book in like a long time? I don't know if it's like 10 or 15 years old. So I'm reading it like 10 minutes a morning to my kids. And this story, this dad, his daughter's kidnapped and killed and she's gone. And it's like his story of him and God reconnecting. And like, I've cried three Mm. times at 7am reading this for 10 minutes to my kids, unlocking some things for them about a relationship. Because what you and I are talking about is this messy, but beautiful wrestling. And that even hit me the other day, like Israel means wrestle with God. And are we entering into that as fathers with God ourselves? Are we entering into that with our spouses, with our kids, that this beautiful mess that we get to be a part of family is the thing that's shaping us into the people we were designed to be. So my youngest is 11 and my oldest is 17. And so I'm reading with all of them and it feels right, totally. And it's cool too, because we started watching The Chosen a little bit and I really love how they portray Jesus. Like in one episode, Jesus was making fart noises because some kids were like hiding behind a rock looking at him. And it's a similar thing in this where Jesus just in this morning kind of like joking with the guy. Why am I Mm. so serious all the time? I feel like sometimes I'm so serious about this stuff. It's like, don't be so serious. Enjoy this. It sounds like if you guys were on the road for that long, is there a couple books that you'd recommend dads read with their kids? I'm a big reader too. I read a lot of books. Or maybe just a book that's hit you that's been really life transformational for you. I could list a lot of business books that have been transformational for me. I would say, have you read Greg's book called Family ID? That's actually a really good book too. I'd say one of the best like transformational books as far as like for families and stuff and like parenting. My wife and I have gone through it a few times and we've actually led some classes on it. But have you ever done Growing Kids God's Way? I've checked some of it out, but I haven't gone through like their workshop or anything. Love that book a lot. It's an intense book, but it's unfiltered parenting. (laughs) Yeah. Michael, we've talked about so many great things and we're coming to the end of our time together. Before I ask my final two questions, is there anything unsaid or anything sitting in your mind or heart that you haven't shared that you'd want to with any of the dads that are listening? I think we covered some good stuff, man. I say to summarize it, like don't be afraid to not fit in, to not be normal. The world wants us to be normal. The world wants us to just go through the rhythm of fitting like everyone else, but we're called the bigger things. We're called the bigger vision. Set that time aside so you can have that margin in your life whether it's once a week, once a month, whatever it is, build some margin, be intentional about margin in your life. So you can have that space to be able to think about what's actually important and be intentional about that time. And I think that'll have huge impact on our families. That's been huge for me these past few years. And like I said, we traveled for a year, that year of having very little distraction. We went from busy seven days a week in 2021. And before that, we just did not stop. I remember that first week when we traveled that whole year, it was like, what do I do with my hands moment? We have nowhere to be, nowhere to go. Not everyone can take a year off like I did, but that was so influential on my family. I think that will set a whole different trajectory for my family from here on out for multiple generations. And so if you can carve that margin out in your life, that'll help us a lot rather than getting caught up in that day-to-day rhythm. So one thing I want to say, and then I have three questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You good on time? 
the value and the benefit of you taking that year of travel, I think sometimes when us dads are like, okay, I'm going to make the move from California to Tennessee or Washington to Tennessee, we try to do it as fast as possible and get our kids back into that eight day a week routine as fast as possible. So I think when you peeled away from that or the value and the beauty in that is you were able to set some new standards and rhythms because you didn't just jump into seeking. Would you agree resetting or a Sabbath? Oh my gosh, Ned, you hit it on the nail, man. My biggest fear when we decided to land in Tennessee was I do not want to get back into yeah. just go, go, go with no end in sight. Seven days, just full calendar. So we have been very conscious of just not filling our calendar with just anything and everything that comes our way, be much more intentional with our time. And that's where the Sabbath came for us. Obviously, the Sabbath isn't new, but for us, we had never even considered it. And that's where that was like, God designed this for a reason. He rested in seven days. Maybe I should just follow those steps. That's where that came from. And that is been amazing. I think you're right on. It wasn't like we went from moving us over here and we've got to get back in right away and plug right back in. We went a year of just nothing really, and then have slowly been and very cautiously introducing things back into our rhythm. And I would say, even if it's like the job, so guys listening, if you're like, hey, I have to move and start my nine to five because I got transferred, still create a window. And I'll tell you this from my experience. And then Michael, tell me yours. I don't think if your kid misses a year of baseball or a year of football or a year of whatever or a season of it, it's not the end of the world. We put such an emphasis on whatever it is. And yes, maybe for one of my kids, it was a big loss. Like they had gymnastics 16 hours a week, moved here, did not connect. And it was a big loss for her to find something new. But in the messy switch of not jumping into the same rhythm, because we honestly just didn't go to church every week, right? Because that was a big part for before. Our kids became better friends. And what I've been leaning into with my kids is if you do this right, or if you respect and love your siblings, they could be your best friends at 40 years old. And then your kids could be like homies with your cousins and stuff. So I think there's a big opportunity for us to create boredom so that our kids have to hang out together. My middle daughter was sitting on a couch earlier today and she was just sitting there not doing anything. And I said, what's going on? What are you doing? She goes, I'm bored. And I sat down and I said, hey, look, this is really good. Being bored sometimes <laughs> is a really good thing. And we had to talk about that. And I agree with yeah. you, Ned, on that. I don't want to create division with the statement. I grew up in sports my whole life. My kids have been glued mm-hmm. to soccer, dance, ballet, all the performances, all that stuff. However, I think we've been lied to. That is, you have to do that <laughs> to create a good kid or to be a good parent. Mm-hmm. It was a difficult thing to go. We're going to step away, go travel for a year and and our kids were going to pull them out of all this stuff that they're in right now. Man, I felt like a blindfold is pulled off of us in that year of being like, oh my gosh, like it's mm-hmm. not about this. It's not about that. There's so much more to life and so much more to raising our kids than just to try and teach our kids to fit in. Yeah, I agree. I think that we haven't pushed that ourselves. If a kid loves something and is passionate about it, then we're going to work with you to do it. But if my sons, I don't want to do any of these things and I want the freedom to go skate or surf or whatever. Okay. Because it's like, why am I trying to force you to have a freaking busy with that time off that you think is good for your family. And every father has to make their own decision. I think that is more important than a kid being stuck in basketball or even excited to go to basketball. And I'm pro all that stuff, but don't sacrifice a healthy rhythm for your family. Oh, bro. Love it. Okay. We could keep talking forever. Lots more questions going through my head, but let me ask you my final question. I'm going to ask you one question I've been asking people. And then my final, what type of grandfather do you want to be? This is so left field, but you're talking multi-generational. You're talking about building property for family. So I want more men to take themselves out of just this season of my kids live with me till they're 18. And I want them to think, whoa, my role as a grandfather is going to be super important. I never thought about it. What type of grandfather do you want to be in 60 seconds or less? 
I want to leave a legacy. I talked about the land and create a place. I'd call it an outpost versus over cribs. You know, everyone says, oh, they want to build their big house and stuff for them. But it's like, I want to build an outpost for my mm. entire family and other families to be up that can spend time here and, and learn what we're building and be inspired by what we're doing. So I want my future grandkids to look back even after I pass or whatever and be like, oh, this whole thing that is here that we get to be a part of was built from Michael because of a vision that he'd given. He left where he was, where he lived in. He moved his family across the country and planted here and built all this stuff out for us. So I think that's legacy is really important to me. I think that's amazing. As a guy, picture myself as a grandpa, being just a man of wisdom and being patient, someone that their grandkids can just come sit with them and just be content. I think that would be really, really amazing. Sit with. I love it. My final question was going to be about legacy and you answered the question. So, Michael, this was so fun, bro. I really loved getting to know you. I love hearing the dad you are, the intentional man you are, your dedication to your marriage and your community and life. Continue rhythm and connection with God and those that he placed in your care and then sharing that with the world, dude. So I look forward to hopefully future conversations coming and checking out that property one day. And dude, much love and blessings to you and your family. Thank you very much. Thanks for everything you're doing. Loving it. All right, my friend. Till next time. What an incredible conversation. Oh, so powerful. I didn't want it to end. Some of the things like, do you just feel like you're fitting in? Are you stepping out in faith of a dream that you might have had as a father? Are you so caught up in the day-to-day, just busyness of life that you're not pausing to connect with who you are and who your family is? So guys, I highly encourage you, like create pause. Like I loved how he said that he creates margin in his life. Do you create margin? Do you create space to sit with yourself and just think? Hey, what matters to me? What matters to me as a father, as a husband, as a leader in my community? Really powerful. Man, this comes down to our identity. Are we just a paycheck and are we just putting a roof over this family's heads? No. Fathers need to know who they are and our world is in desperate need of this, right? Look around. We need leaders. And this isn't just men. This is we just need leaders. And where does this start? It starts in the home. And you as the father have the opportunity to lead inside your home, co-lead, work work together, but we're talking about you in your role. But dads, we must know how to love, serve, guide, provide, and protect. And this is why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. First started off with a children's book. Now there's three online courses that it's helping dads to see who they are and step into the fullness of their identity so that they can lead their home. So go check that out, adventureoffatherhood.com. If these conversations are powerful and you're engaged and it's helping you, please write a review. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to fatherhood field notes podcast what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that is who your kids spouse and community needs this is your guide ned shout together let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood i look forward to hanging out with you next time Mm -hmm.